Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sportsnet. I'm not the fan. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors. Take down the Boston Celtics once again in overtime uh, for the second time in two meetings this preseason. The Raptors were able to beat the Celtics uh, in overtime, this time uh, defeating them by a score of 137 to 134. It was, as far as preseason games go, like it, it literally had everything. Like it, it would, this has got to be the best preseason game I've ever seen. Um, not a lot of competition. Uh, to be honest, the, the competition is what the Raptors did last time where they came back from like 18 down and, you know, um, Jeff Downton hit a jumper to send it to overtime and then the Raptors have to uh, clinch it in overtime. Like that was probably the only competition. And, and even compared to that game, which was really fun, uh, this was this was even better. Um, you know, first off, uh, the city of Montreal got a great show. Um, you know, this is part of the Canada game series and they played in Edmonton earlier this year. They had training camp in Victoria and, and now they're going to Montreal for, uh, the second time in the last five years here. And I mean, it was a hard ticket to come by. I think this ticket sold out in like 20 minutes and, uh, it was really expensive, but honestly, man, it's worth the price of admission. It was really fun. Like it was just a really, really fun game. That kind of had everything, and I know that it's just preseason, and I'm not trying to get too excited over this. I'm just trying to tell you that this game was very exciting. And uh, if you missed this game thinking, well, it's just preseason, I don't need to come see this, whatever, uh, do yourself the favor and just go and watch the highlights. Like, I- I'm just going to describe a few highlights um, that kind of stood out to me. And trust me when I say this, you're going to want to go back and see them because as a Raptor fan, as, as a basketball fan, you know, I, I know this is preseason, but this was really fun. Okay, so you got plays such as uh, Christian Coloco um, collecting a loose ball after Jason Tatum slipped um, and running down the loose ball at his own three-point line and then using one dribble to take it the rest of the way for a dunk by himself. That's a, that's a seven-foot-two um, rookie who is – showing that kind of fluidity in, in transition. Another Christian Coloco play, by the way, was uh, Fred Van Vliet uh, working with him on a pick and roll through the lob. It looked like it was way too high. Like, it looked like he was Fred was trying to throw that lob to, like, Victor Wamayama or something. Uh, and Christian, even though he wasn't able to corral the ball, was able to uh, tap the ball midair and, and get it off the glass to go in for a, a layup. So first off, I mean, just at a very impressive alley-oop, but the, the most impressive portion of this was because Fred threw the pass so high, Christian had to tip the ball above the square on the backboard. And 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 that wasn't actually the most impressive alley-oop of the game because uh, in overtime, in a probably one or two possession game, uh, Delano Banton was able to throw a pass to Precious Achua, who set a screen and then cut back door. Uh, around Noah Vonley for a uh, sensational two-handed dunk. Uh, 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 just another great play, of one of many in the fourth quarter and overtime periods. But for Precious himself, that actually wasn't his best dunk because he had another dunk at the end of the first quarter where it was uh, a two-for-one scenario. The ball swung out to Precious. Well, he did an up fake, got the defender in the air, and then drove down the lane for a very, very impressive dunk. So, there, there was just a bit of everything in this game. Like, I mean, um, what else? Scotty Barnes saucing up Grant's, uh, Grant Williams. Uh, Grant Williams heavily featured in this game. Um, just like looking like a uh, looking like Patrick Patterson with a green light once again. Um, but uh, yeah, Scotty 
you, you know, taking Grant on the perimeter one-on-one, um, you know, dancing on him a little bit, crossing him over, creating that little separation, and then burst into the basket for a layup. Very, very smooth. Uh, you know, very next play, Scotty gets the ball, pushes the break, realizes he doesn't have numbers, stops in the middle of the lane, dribble handoff to Delano, who instantly catches it. Another uh, great play to finish around Grant Williams at the basket. Then you got Precious like two possessions after that, pushing it down the floor, seeing Grant Williams on him, and then pulling up for a mid-range jumper. Like a lot of great stuff, man. You know, um, Justin Champagny. It's too bad that he airballed every three that he took. I swear he's a better three-point shooter than that, but uh, a lot of great plays in, in overtime to sort of secure it. Josh Jackson with some hustle plays. Like, there just was a lot going on in this game, you know? And, and that's not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, what, Christian Coloco with that uh, first play where, you know, he was able to take it at the end of the court for a highlight dunk. That earned the Raptors bench a technical because they celebrated. Like, I'm, I'm serious. Like, it wasn't like anything happened. It wasn't like any sort of aggressiveness. Well, no one got in the face of a referee. Nobody got in, in, interfered with the game whatsoever. But just teammates getting excited for a rookie making a great play. Uh, earned the Raptors bench a technical, which wasn't the most egregious technical in this game. Because that actually went to Jason Tatum, who clearly fouled OG on a drive. OG had an amazing game in this game, by the way. Um, But... He disagreed with the referee and literally walking away from the ref did a hand wave like, oh, get out of here, you. Like, you know, like, just like, okay, all right. Well, that's not a good call, but I don't agree with it. Like, it, it's, it, it literally, the hand wave signifies or communicates uh, just whatever. You know, he was just trying to say whatever to the referee, right? Uh, and it wasn't in his face, wasn't in the face of another official, didn't really get in the face of any Raptors, literally just flapped his hand at a guy. And that got him ejected from the game. And, and that, of course, caused such a big commotion that the Celtics earned like two more ejections on top of that. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it it was it was it was it was a fun game. What can I say? You know, it was it was really exciting. It was hard fought. Like you had um, you had you had you had Marcus Smart flopping repeatedly. He ended up on the floor so much, and to the point where he literally drew a he, he flopped on the floor to draw an offensive foul. And then on the inbound, the ball was inbounded to Marcus, and he was at the exact same spot, and he literally slipped over his own wet spot and had to go to the bench and, and leave the game with injury. So he literally fell on his own wet spot that he had fallen on the floor like four or five times before that. So hopefully Marcus is okay. Uh, salute to him for bringing the competitiveness. And he honestly had a couple nice plays. He got Scotty on an up fake and then drove it to the basket for an and one. That was pretty, but... It was it was it was heavily contested in this game, and um, you know, I think for the Raptors it was really impressive because look, they didn't have a lot of their main guys. Like, even though this was the last preseason game, you know, I think if Nick had his way, he would, you know, try to play his guys a regular rotation, give them some regular minutes, feature the bench the way he wants the bench to be featured, um, and that wasn't really possible because Pascal last minute, even though he did the pregame uh, shoot around interviews and all that stuff, he didn't end up playing in this game. Um, he, he watched the game from the sidelines in a beanie. Uh, very unfortunate to see Chris Boucher not be, it, being able to take place in this um, exhibition game. Obviously, he's got such strong roots uh, being from uh, Montreal and, and he, he had big plans to, to launch his charity foundation. Um, and he planned to do that around this game, right? It was a great opportunity to do so. Uh, and there's a whole gala and everything for it. But uh, unfortunately, Chris uh, was not able to even travel to Montreal because of, you know, what the team labeled a non-COVID illness. 
And so um, he wasn't able to play, right? You got to feel so bad for him because this is going to be, this would have been such a cool moment. Um, luckily, the Raptors had uh, another big from Montreal, Cam Birch. So he was able to start. Real funny to me that uh, Cam didn't give the the, the intro speech. It, it, it fell to Christian instead. Um, you know, uh, Christian gave the speech from his end uh, in, in French, and the Celtics had a player who, who also gave a speech in French as well. Um, but anyway, like, uh, you know, you, you don't have Pascal. You don't have um, Chris. You don't have Gary Trent Jr., who apparently fell hard in the last preseason game, and so he was held out of uh, – practices for the last week or so he probably could have played but opted to play it safe it makes total sense why would you risk it uh when you have that regular season starting in less than a week so he opted for more rest in that sense and obviously wore you know anytime gary's out i mean you're gonna see a lavish fit and that's exactly what you saw from him today uh i don't even know how to describe it it's a sweater with a turtleneck so it's a turtleneck but the turtleneck came all the way up to his eyes um in the neck portion uh, and it was also like big enough to fit like uh the rock when he was a kid you know the the, the chubby rock so um yeah what and he wore like a what looked to be like a, a map of middle earth in front of it that kind of was shaped like a bib honestly i do i don't understand fashion i'm wearing a black t-shirt and 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 and, and a great pants right now it's a, it's a very lame fit as compared to what gary was wearing so and the point is you just didn't have a lot of major featured players in there even malachi was out he remains out he suffered an injury. Otto is out, right? So, you know, you didn't have your regular rotation. And meanwhile, the Celtics have, I mean, well, they don't have everybody, right? They have uh, Grant, uh, Grant Williams. Robert Williams is, continues to be out. He's going to be out for a while. And and so, whatever. But they they, they went to their, their rotation. And, and they played their guys fairly significantly. I mean, five minutes left in the game, you have Marcus Mark you know, drawing fouls and then slipping on his own wet spot, right? And and you have Grant Williams playing out the entire game and it's sort of trying to act like the Celtics closer, even though he couldn't make uh, point-blank layups. Um, you know, you had Tatum competing really hard and obviously he got ejected, but he probably would have played even more if uh, if it obviously wasn't for that ejection. And even, you know, grizzled vets like Al Horford were playing 29 minutes. So the Celtics really wanted to come in and, and do something. And I got to say, offensively, they were moving the ball so crisply in this first uh, quarter. Um, they were just pinging the ball around. It felt like every single time they were able to uh, drive the ball, draw a crowd, and then kick it into the corner for a three. Uh, it, it was just it was just really beautiful to watch, honestly. Like uh, Tatum, I think his progression as a passer was really on display here. I mean, it's not even just like what passes you make. It's also sometimes about the timing of it. He's making quick early passes, understanding what the Celt- what the Raptors like to do to him each time the Raptors play the Celtics. They always swarm him. They don't really let him operate, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. And so he made quick passes. And, I mean, you got to credit the Celtics, man. Like A lot of the guys were hitting threes, you know, um, consistent. Like, Derek White came out and made, like, four threes in the first quarter. He had 23 points. He got to the free throw line seven times. Like, he was doing a, a great job. Um, apparently he fouled out, which I don't remember, but, uh, ultimately, yeah, I mean, they, their ball movement was pretty strong and they were scoring a lot. However, they weren't able to get that much separation from the Raptors because OG Anobi almost single-handedly put an end to that. Um, he had 20 points in the first quarter alone and, uh, there's just a lot of great plays from him. You know, you, you had OG driving hard in the lane, spin finish, right? Um, yeah, I thought OG made a number of good drives in this game. 
where he's able to sort of productively drive. Because sometimes I feel like Odu drives too hard and he's got so much momentum and he's a little, uh, like, he's so strong um, that he beats his man to the spot, mostly with the strength. But then he has to then counter his own strength off the first drive and then spin and turn and then try to pivot and explode and finish around the basket. Sometimes he can do it. Sometimes he really gets caught and stuck. And we saw some instances of him getting stuck, but it was like a two or three to one ratio in terms of just like the good outcomes of those drives versus sort of the, the bad outcomes. But yeah, I mean, what uh, another drive spin to a left-hand finish around Tatum and around the help defender. You got a corner three off a kick, a driving kick from Fred and then a pick and pop three at the top of the floor from Fred. You got a pivot in the post, you know, uh, finish. You got a, a drive along the baseline, extra dribbles for the uh, reverse dunk on the opposite end. Um, what else, man? You got him driving around Jalen Brown uh, against a closeout and then finishing through contact in the lane off the help defender who rotated in late. So OG was was doing everything at 20 in the first, um, and he finished the game with 32. Uh, the only thing was he missed a couple of free throws. It honestly doesn't even matter. OG played amazing. And there's so much of this game was for the Raptors offensively, the game plan was just like, all right, we're going to have to attack um, – you know, the Celtics are where they're weakest. And so it was a lot of OG operating in the post. And, you know, even though Tatum, even though Brown, these guys are pretty good defenders uh, who are established in this league, OG has a size advantage on these guys because he actually is stronger than some of those. So a lot of the plays I described here, and honestly, even thinking back to the last time I was by the Celtics earlier in preseason, OG had the advantage in strength. Like there was a number of plays that I highlighted in that previous episode where, he was able to take it to Tatum repeatedly and use his strength. Now, of course, guys aren't competing the same way, um, you know, because it is a preseason game. But I got to say, this is this was a pretty competitive preseason game. And OG really, really dominated this matchup. Looked amazing. Uh, even better, I thought, were the two blocks that he had. Um, first block, it was in the first quarter. Uh, the Raptors mostly had the play bottled up. But I, I forget who it was. Uh, maybe it was like Malcolm Brogdon or something driving to the basket. Uh, he might have had a step on the defender, but the Raptors did have a contest there. But that didn't really even matter because OG was able to rotate down along the baseline and completely swat uh, the drive and, and just erase it. Very emphatic block to, to erase even the possibility of a foul or a possibility of a lucky shot, right? Then at the end of the first half, you had a play where the Raptors double teamed and trapped, I think, Tatum at the top of the floor. And I'm talking about like five feet above the three-point arc. They, they blitzed him. OG came over. Um, Scotty was over there. And Tatum made the right pass. Like he got it into the short roller in the middle of the floor, who I think was the guy that OG was helping off of. And then that guy, I think maybe it was smart, made the extra pass into the corner um, to, I think, Grant Williams, who was wide open in the corner for three. And unlike the Milwaukee Bucks, who literally let him shoot that wide open corner three all the way until they, you know, they they lost in the second round, OG, I'm not even the the speed in which he 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 made this closeout because I actually I put a screen grab together. You can actually find it on my Twitter account, but um, the, the screen grab shows that Marcus Smart is releasing the ball, like the pass is coming from his hand at the free throw line and it's going into the corner to Grant. And at the point when that's happening, OG is two feet above the three-point arc. So um, if you think of the three points of the ball at the free throw line, uh, Grant in the corner waiting to shoot wide open, and also uh, OG at, above the three-point arc as three points in a triangle, um, 
OG had to close out on the longest path to that, right? And somehow he was able to not only get there, not only contest a shot, but also block the shot while whizzing past Grant. Uh, It's just truly a a, a breathtaking play defensively. It's something that you probably see from a guy like Chris Boucher. That's his sort of go-to move. But we know with Chris, like he's 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 longer, he's he's uh, so quick, and he's like he's just leaf, right? Because he, he's so skinny, like it, it's easier for him to sort of move faster. Whereas with OG, I don't know, he was just shot out of a cannon, and, and he, he, I don't know, it, it just was the best defensive play in this game. Um, not only was it uh, a great block, but just the 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 length and the actual distance that OG needed to cover shows not only that uh, he obviously has the physique and the athleticism and the quickness and the, you know, wingspan, all that stuff to sort of close out. But the recognition on that play, because again, the play started because the Raptors blitzed Tatum at the top of the floor, 35 feet out. He made the right pass into the the role uh, the short roller in the middle of the floor and Marcus, and then Marcus made the right pass into the corner. Again, great basketball by the Celtics and OG just single-handedly erased that play. So, uh, not only did he give you 32 points, but he also gave you great defense. So he's obviously going to be the first star tonight. The other thing I was sort of tracking was just sort of like, okay, without Pascal, without Gary, those are two guys that are going to get you a lot of shots. And and Fred hasn't really asserted himself all that much in, in preseason. He's chilling. You could hear his quotes. You know, he he's ready for the season to start. You know, he's not going to sort of give it at all uh, in, in preseason games. He knows how to, how to sort of handle himself as a vet. And so... In this instance, okay, I get that OG is going to initiate. I get that if you start Precious, he's going to look for a shot. And Precious shot the ball 16 times, got to the free throw line 13 times. So you can't say he wasn't aggressive, right? I wanted to see something from Scotty, though. That was the thing that, for me, he hasn't had a breakout game in preseason. Not to say that he needed to have one, which I know there was a lot of, like, I don't know, like, uh, he's not looking that great or... Uh, you know, Nick's like, oh, yeah, he had the ankle injury and, and that affected him and this and that. And, uh, you know, I think mostly it's just people attached so much expectation on Scotty because, um, you know, he won rookie of the year and they have seen so much from him that they were looking to see that all the time. Like they're looking to see signs of him making a jump. But instead, he had a really quiet preseason. I think he was averaging like five or six points per game. Um, That's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see Scotty sort of take charge in this game because look you had pascal's out man gary's out like those are chris boucher's out like there's a lot of a lot of shots up on the uh, on the table there and you know i thought scotty seized the opportunity now it started a little bit slow i got i'm not gonna lie to you like there were a couple of plays where you're just like all right well it doesn't feel like you're shaking the defender or you're not really taking it that much or you're just like oh i see a number of opportunity to flip it into triple handoff here let me like dump out the pass and then and, and then and screen and and you know I don't know. It just wasn't a lot of aggressiveness. Uh, like well, He was running the offense, but the way Nick has the offense is just like guys are going to sort of like, you know, the, the music's going to start and, and you're going to sort of uh, dribble handoff and pitch and, and swing the ball around and all this other stuff. But ultimately, someone's got to sort of like stop the game of musical chairs and then like seize the opportunity to actually initiate, right? And with Scotty, I felt like he had the advantage so many times, and that was what disappointing to me. The last time the Raptors played the Celtics was Scotty just didn't take a lot of those opportunities. Like I, one play that stuck out to me was just, you know, him icing against Malcolm Brogdon and not, not really getting anything off. You know, like him uh, having an opportunity to attack Noel Vonley with no help defenders and, and and not taking the opportunity. So he 
you know, needed to show, not needed to show, but it would have been really nice for people to see him to do something. And I thought he did a great job today. Like, uh, you know, uh, he had Derek White on him again on a mismatch. The game plan was very clear. If you got Derek White on you, attack him, right? I mean, it's not like Derek White's even a bad defender, but the Celtics have so many good individual one-on-one defenders that you kind of have to attack a guy like Derek White. So Scotty gets Derek White. And look, listen, Derek White is cool. Like, he's like a Corey Brewer clone, essentially. Honestly, that might be giving him too much credit, but... You know, that type of player, you know, long, you know, uh, wiry, athletic to a, to a point, you know, um, gambles a little bit on defense, whatever. But, yeah, ultimately, Scotty's way stronger than him and, and bigger than him, taller than him and everything like that. So you want to see him take him to the cup, right? And, and you saw him do that against White. You saw him, um, you know, pick and roll, one-handed finish around Jalen Brown. You saw him, you know, hit a mid-range jumper over Tatum. You saw another another crossover into a mid-range jumper against um, a lot of drop coverages. The Celtics played a lot of drop against them, which isn't too surprising to me. Um, you know, obviously they were ch- daring him to shoot, but listen, if that's how they want to play you, you got to take the shot and you got to be willing to hit it and and also miss it sometimes. But you got to take the opportunity to be aggressive. And Scotty took uh, and, and made two threes. Uh, both instances where the Celtics were dropping back or, you know, going under on the screen and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, he made them pay with the outside shot. And it was actually interesting because at halftime, I think he was like 5 of 12. Um, it felt like he was less effective inside the paint than he was from the perimeter, which is super rare. But then again, it kind of speaks to the way the Celtics were playing. Uh, they were collapsing the paint, giving him a lot of space to drive, to absorb the drive. And then every time he made a move to get into that second box area, that's where the defense would collapse on him. And, you know, because the Raptors weren't hitting a lot of threes, um, what did they shoot from three today? 30, oh, you know what, actually? Oh, never mind. Sorry, I'm looking at the Celtics portion. Yeah, the Raptors shot seven of 29 from three. So, yeah, again, because there were no three-point shooters out there for them, um, they were able to collapse on Scotty like, with impunity, right? Um, and so um, he wasn't getting a lot of the opportunities to drop. But second half, he did a much better job, played more in transition, Made a lot more plays, and uh, yeah, I loved it, man. This is, I mean, again, it doesn't need to be a reminder because we've seen, like, I mean, we don't, we can also just be like intelligent fans who remember games that he had against LeBron, or games that he had against KD, or games that he had against Jokic, or games that he had against whoever, right? Almost a triple double in his first uh, playoff game, you know, like. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of plays. What about his first ever breakout game, second game of the season of his of his career? Um, Raptors going to Boston, and the Raptors beat the Celtics to the point where the, the fans are booing them off the court. And the same year, by the way, they go to the finals. They're booing them off the court because in their home opener, they let Scotty Barnes, a rookie, put up like 26 and 12 um, in, in a win. So, you know, we can also just have some faith that uh, he hasn't disappeared. Like, you know, we don't need to see it every single game to be reassured of, of some of those anxieties. But yeah, I mean, it, it was nice to see Scotty sort of show you exactly what he can do. Right. And um, it's just a confidence thing. It's an assertive thing with, for him. Like it's, I know people like when they see Scotty don't not doing well, it's easier to blame other people for it. It's like, Oh, Nick's got to call more plays for him. Or like Pascal's got to give him the ball more. Or Fred's got to give him the ball more. Like, I think people love Scotty like universally um, and they love him so much that it's hard to blame him, right? It's easier to sort of blame the circumstances, but the way that the team is set up and the, in, in the way that, you know, they want to play is you got to When the ball comes to you, you got to take it and make a play. Uh, and that's not to say there's no play set, set plays called. That's not to say that uh, other teammates can't obviously look for him more often, but 
it's a situation where Scotty, where he controls his own destiny. He's, you know, can be as great as he wants to be. And it's a very noticeable difference. The, the times where he's using his athleticism, he's using his size and, and he's calmly, you know, and he's looking to go to the basket or he's looking to punish defenses for going under on him. You know, that sense of that sense of that disrespect of like, okay, you want to do this to me? You don't think I could shoot? Let me just prove it to you right here. Like, that kind of stuff you you, you see when well, you can tell that mentality was Scotty and, and today he had it in a way that he hasn't had it in any of the preseason games so that was great to see um I thought Precious played well in terms of just um taking a strong to the cup that was basically the only time he was that successful offensively oh of seven from three is is nasty I mean they kind of played him um mostly on the perimeter uh having him initiate from there they were even giving him some post-up touches and stuff like that uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I thought Precious, the main part is he just took it to the hole a lot and, um, you know, defensively was solid. I think he probably could be a little bit more focused on that end, but again, it is preseason. So I'm not going to read too much into it, but ultimately Precious had a good performance. Um, Nick, uh, I think he kind of lined them up to match up with Grant Williams a lot in the, uh, in the fourth quarter on overtimes. Cause at that point, like, okay, eventually all the starters came out. A lot of third unit guys coming in, and it, it was another like classic battle between, uh, you know, uh, who is this? Who is Justin Jackson versus Josh Jackson? Another classic JJ versus JJ um, battle here. And, um, you know, most of the main guys are out, but the Celtics had Grant Williams in, and the Raptors had uh, Precious in. And Precious made some really good plays, man. Um, some really, really great plays when he needed to. Uh, a very impressive uh, and one drive as well. It's just. There's a burst in athleticism about, about Precious's game that uh, is always going to be sort of his bread and butter. He's so, like, he combines, um, he has, like, a, like a smooth yet, like, uh, uh, explosive type of um, athleticism where he's very strong but also very quick at the same time. I think it's just for him, like, understanding what play to make at each specific point. Uh, and obviously knocking down the open threes, but um, yeah, I mean, you you could see the the aggressiveness with with Precious. I actually never worry about that. He comes into the game and he looks to score. I don't even know how he had four assists. If, I, if there were a lot of moments where I'm like, yeah, you could probably make the pass here, but you know, whatever. Uh, I think ultimately Precious played a, 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 a good game as well. Um, what else? Uh, I really like Thad coming into the game every game and and just doing like just organizing the team like he's there almost like as a chaperone um you know like he thad knows it's not about him right like thad very much knows that when he comes into the game it's about winning it's about getting their guys involved it's about you know making good plays defensively and being solid on that end it's about getting the rebound it's about making an extra pass and especially offensively i actually really appreciate sort of what he does like when you look at this box score and you see four points and, and, and one assist, and, and even when you watch the game, sometimes you're like, wow, he just missed the wide open dunk there. or um, You know, but what he's essentially doing offensively is, is serving as just like a hub. It reminds me a little bit of Marcus Gasol. Like, obviously, very, very different players. Mark, obviously, seven foot tall, you know, played center. You know, that is handles the ball a little bit more than, than Mark did and um, operates less so. Uh, as a center offensively but what you see with with that is just 
let's let's do a dribble handoff right here. Let's set a really solid screen to, to, to free Fred, and then we'll play pick and roll. And, you know, Fred will either find me for the dump-off pass for, for a layup, or uh, I'm going to be able to get, you know, Fred's man off of him because I'm setting a really good screen, and uh, Fred's going to be able to get space in the mid-range to attack and, and, and pull up for a jumper. And the reason you know Thad's setting good screens is because he's getting offensive foul calls on the uh, on the screens. Obviously, in preseason, people are going to call this stuff. When the games truly matter, they would not call those kind of plays. And that's what you need a vet to be able to create that space for you. And then you see him, like, you know, initiating dribble handoffs and stuff like that. You see him getting into the post, drawing two defenders because he has a, you know, size mismatch and then finding cutters. Like, he just... He just plays a, a game that brings order to the Raptors offense, which most times feels like teetering on the edge of like, oh, we're really doing this. Okay, all right. And 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 guys sort of taking their turns. Thad is the one guy who's like, it's not my turn. You never see Thad Young being like, it, it's Thad Young time and let me just create this shot for us. Like obviously when you need to, when you like, let's say five, six seconds left on the clock and the ball swings to you. Yeah, he's going to do something with it obviously, because you have to get a shot up in that moment. But he's just he's just been a joy to watch in preseason um and it's very understated um you know but i think this game kind of really belongs to some of the other guys like christian coloco is a standout star in this one it's unfortunate he fouled out i mean he's you know the fouling thing is going to be his biggest issue it's probably what i'm uh, anticipating so far in his young career there were games where he had like seven, eight fouls in preseason or in, in summer league. Luckily, you get 10 fouls for those. You only get you get the regular six in uh, in preseason. Um, and I think the fouling really comes down to just him. Two, two things. Number one, uh, he's not strong enough to hold position. So, like, obviously, he will commit some fouls just because, you know, he's actually fouling, right? Like, there were a couple of plays where Tatum drove and Christian wasn't straight up or he had his hand out and Tatum was able to rip through, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, okay that's a defensive mistake that you're making. Right. Um, I think though, the, the, what you'll see is like him not being able to hold his position, that type of foul call on him. Like you saw a play today where the Celtics were coming out of the timeout and they just had Al Horford, um, you know, set a screen and sort of just clear a path in the middle of the floor. Uh, I think for one of their wings to sort of attack. And that was Christian's guy. And Christian was trying to stand in front of him and sort of like, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stand in front of him, um, you know, and try to hold your position and essentially block the play from happening and hold your ground. But Christian wasn't able to do that. And uh, instead, um, you know, he was called for an actual defensive foul rather than that being an offensive foul, even though it was Al Horford initiating the contact and pushing him through the lane again very standard stuff that you see at the start of like every other set that you don't even notice because it's happening off ball and it happens so routinely um but because christian is so slim um you know and also obviously he's very young al horse he's been in the league i mean he's been in the league so long he ended tj ford's career so like that's that's a that that's a long time ago but um yeah, like that kind of stuff. Uh, I think the strength to hold his position defensively is probably going to be a little bit tough. And obviously, if you can't hold your position defensively, people are probably going to call a foul on you a lot. And I think the other portion, too, is just like as a rookie, you, you just never get a good whistle, especially as a rookie big. Like, I think that the classic case of that was Jakob Pertl. I mean, my goodness, I never seen a guy get worse calls than Jakob Pertl, man. Guy had no benefit of, of, of any doubt, uh, especially when he was a rookie. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Christian, 
he played great though, man. Six of six on the field. A lot of those were like obviously dump off passes to for for dunks or like alley oops and stuff like that. Like Fred got him with a uh, stole the ball in, in in transition, then a dump off pass to Christian to, to just follow up on the play and dunk it. Or Thad Young made a drive on one side of the floor and draw drew a second defender to him and then shovel pass to Christian for the the cutting layup or stuff like that. But I don't know. There were also plays where like. Like they gave him the ball in the post against Al Horford, and I was like, "Ooh, this is interesting. He's going to try to attack Al." And Al's a pretty solid defender, man. And Christian was able to make a post move. That was actually funny because he made the post move and ended up going farther away from the basket because as he turned and spun, Al just took the opportunity to push him, and so he ended up being like an extra foot away from when he initially went into the move. But Christian still able to get the hook shot off and was able to drop in. Um, he he just. He looked great. And listen, if he can get that portion of the game down, like I'm talking about easy dump off passes and finishing around the basket, right? And, and not even necessarily always a layup because everybody can make layups. And I don't trust, I don't uh, distrust his ability to make layups. He's not one of those guys. Like he doesn't have that like Biombo hand kind of thing where it's like, okay, well, if he's not dunking the ball, like there's really no guarantee he'll make a layup. Like he, he his touch on layup seems fine. Um, my concern more was sort of like, can he finish like the, the little hook shots around the basket? Like he catches the ball in deep, doesn't get to the layup necessarily. doesn't necessarily even have a chance to use the glass, but can you get the hook shot off and can you do it with left hand and right hand? And something that Serge, for example, did a great job of over the years was like, he wasn't like Serge was explosive and anything like that, but you know, he would catch the ball on a roll, you know, deeper in the paint and he had little push shots, little floaters, and he got that five foot reliable finishing range that a guy like scotty has a guy like pascal has but you know some somewhat critically that's what's holding back a guy like precious right now is that that finishing touch around the basket with sort of those little off ball little little floaty hooks and stuff like that and 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 for christian at least in summer league i didn't really see that from him so um uh but if he can do those if he can finish those opportunities then yeah i mean defensively it already plays um He's applying great ball pressure, uh, which I think Nick always loves. He's willing to switch out on the perimeter players. Wouldn't say he's shut down on that end, but he's also got quick. He's got quick feet, man. For for a guy who's that big, he he's got pretty quick feet. Um, and I think yeah, I mean you also see him just coming consistently and changing shots. Like he he got like immediately got a deflection because the Celtics couldn't pass the ball over the top of him. Then another play where he blocked it. Then he another play where. Oh, man, the rotation was beautiful, but Grant Williams was trying to drive to the bat. Man, Grant Williams is a hilarious character, but whatever. Grant Williams was trying to drive to the basket, thought he had a layup, and Christian stuffed him so hard that he blocked the ball, and the ball rolled down Grant's face, and and uh, and Christian was able to collect the rebound. Like just 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 a nice nice uh, pick once again by the Raptors as, as a rookie. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you've listened to Nick, whether it's uh, more recently or even as far back as like summer league and stuff like that, like Nick has consistently talked about Christian as like, you know what, there's an opportunity for him to be in the rotation. Like he's not closing the door on that. Like obviously you you can't fully trust a rookie just yet. And, you know, you got to sort of like work him in a little bit and all blah, 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 blah. But the way Nick is and what he's seeing right now, like, yeah, Christian is, he, he really truly does give the Raptors something they don't have. Um, and obviously he's going to mostly play limited bench minutes, like probably, let's say, eight to ten minutes a game at the start of the season, but there's some utility in what he does. But, uh, 
Uh, as for the other guys, you know, Justin Champagne got extended run. I'm happy for him. Did his usual stuff. Got a couple offensive rebounds. Made some very opportunistic drives. Did some scoring. Uh, I, I swear he's a better three-point shooter than what he showed. But, yeah, defensively, you know, was active. I think he also blocked Grant Williams. Honestly, a lot of blocking Grant Williams in this one. Um, part of why made this game so much fun to watch. Uh, Josh Jackson came in mostly in the fourth quarter on overtime. Um Made a couple hustle plays, but also missed a couple hustle plays. Like, there's one where, if the look to me on the TV, I'm like, oh, that's a bad pass. Josh Jackson's just going to pick it off. But Josh, like, saw it late, still made the attempt to to make the uh, steal. And in doing so, and being late and not getting the ball, that allowed Sam Hauser to hit the three with, like, two or three possessions left in the game. Like, it was actually a very stressful point. I don't think it was in a regulation. So, I don't know, but... Hustle plays, uh, Josh did ultimately come up with some pretty big ones, including a key offensive rebound uh, where Justin was wide open in the corner for three. Delano found him, and uh, even though he had all the time in the world to shoot from the corner, he shot a super long air ball. But uh, luckily, Justin was able to crash the glass, and I think he had Peyton Pritchard on him, so he was able to get the offensive rebound and and collect the the ball and uh, uh, split the pair of free throws, I believe. but yeah, he he played a little bit less than some of those other guys. A lot of the other guys didn't even play. Gabe Brown, um, you know, DJ Wilson, uh, Ron Harper. It probably doesn't bode too well for those guys that he didn't play in the last piece of his game here. But yeah, for me, like Champagne was was always going to be the leading candidate. And even though you've seen some nice things from a guy like Josh Jackson, for example, um, yeah, I, I think they should go with Justin. And uh, yeah, he, he played well tonight. Delano, yeah, it's weird looking at his box score. Like he shot 413, which didn't really feel that way. I think a lot of it was like some open threes for him more than dropping. But man, he played great. Like, every single game Delano comes in, he plays great. Like it's a couple, obviously the, the drives of the basket, stuff like that is, is just fun to watch. The Even the playmaking and the passing is strong. Obviously a very good rebounding for a guard because he's so much bigger than most guards. But I think to me, what stood out to it was just like, he really, really wanted to go to the crossover into the pull-up jumper in the mid-range. And I think to me, it's like, especially when he's able to sort of go like that little right-to-left crossover and then, you know, um, blow by guys or leave, not even blow by, but get the angle and then stretch around guys. Because again, he's taller than most people, most guards. Um, the If you're going to play that game, which I think Delon already has in terms of that finishing, you guys are just going to need a counter to that, right? Like, you can't just drive by and, and finish over everybody. Eventually, they're going to sort of figure you out, and you're not going to get a lot easier shots. But what they're mostly going to do is sag off of you, right? So um, seeing Delano go to that crossover into that pull-up a couple of times was really nice to see. And it was looked very smooth. He, he, he hit it twice. And, you know, when you think about, like, the the comp that people give Delano, it's like it's like Sean Livingston, right? Another tall point guard, lanky. Now I think Sean was more skilled and more polished when he came into the league, and obviously the injuries and stuff like that. But you know, Sean was able to make a very long career for himself, including obviously with the Warriors and winning a couple of chips. It was just like, not only did he have the length and 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 the, and the big guard sort of abilities, he also had a really reliable mid range pull up. Man, Sean Livingston in the mid range was different, man. So. Um, I think that's the element that Delano's trying to add. And I mean, obviously he's got to knock down some catch and shoot threes and something like that, but that's less important. I mean, for him, it's about generating advantages because he has the ball and he's gonna be entrusted to be a backup point guard. And sometimes you can create for yourself. So obviously you can create for others too, but um 
the key to getting not only getting to the basket is you're going to have that counter as well. And and seeing the, the mid-range pull-ups today were very re- reassuring from Delano. But I think Delano's played great in every game in preseason. So this wasn't a surprise. Anyway, I'm going to kind of wrap it up here because the React pod does not need to be this long for preseason. It is almost at the 40-minute mark. So let's just finish off this game. Um, in terms of your three stars, first star is going to go to OJ Anobi. Uh, 32.6 rebounds, two blocks, 29 minutes. I mean... In a game with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, OJ Anobi was the best wing on the floor. I uh, really like saying that. Um, their second best wing on the floor tonight was Scotty Barnes. Well, that's, that's not really true. Scotty was much closer to Tatum and Brown. I mean, look, listen, Brown played a lot of, made a lot of great plays, some turnovers as as you would see from him, just like in the NBA Finals. But just you know, just a, a really nice player, Jalen Brown. Um, you know, and, and Tatum also a very well rounded effort before he got ejected, but. Listen, man, Scotty Barnes was very, very good. 25 points, four rebounds, four assists, 10 to 20 from the field, knocked down two threes, three or three from the free throw line, uh, sauced up Grant Williams. Honestly, if you didn't hit Grant Williams with some sort of scoring move today, uh, what were you even doing? You know, like what was your purpose on the floor tonight for the Raptors if you weren't there to score on Grant? But um, yeah, Scotty, you know, really turned it around and, and, and had a really nice push there. Uh, in the second half, it was impressive. And then your third star, Christian Coloco, 12 points, four rebounds, a steal, two blocks. Uh, six to six on the field, 17 minutes. Six fouls is unfortunate for 17 minutes played, but yeah, wow, he made a lot of impact plays. And, and he had good spurts of play too, where it was like he was making the block, he's getting the rebound, he's hitting the the, the glass, he's getting on the, he's getting the, the, the dunk. And it's just very, 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 very nice scouting and drafting by the Raptors once again. No one's surprised. Uh, and your Gerald Henderson award winner, that's got to go to Derek White, 23 points for him in 26 minutes. Just making everything, man. Making everything. He might have had another baby the way he was making the shots. Actually, I don't think that's possible um, biologically because he did have the baby in the in, during the playoffs. Yeah, so I, I don't think he had a second baby just in the offseason alone. But in any case, uh, yeah, he he had that post baby bump though because the scoring wise, I mean, I just they were leaving him open and he was like knocking down every shot like Ray Allen. It was uh, kind of annoying to watch. Um, a little bit funny, by the way, in this game, that Sam Hauser went one for eight from three in 22 minutes. I think there was so much like, wow, look at Sam Hauser. And, and obviously, last game, he really did torch the Raptors. Raptors made some adjustments. They're like, all right, we're going to close out on him, and we know who he is. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, they blocked him like four or five times. <laughs> they had the, He had threes where he was like, it was either like going into the stands or something like that. Like, it was looking nasty for my time, so... Good adjustments on the Raptors to close out on Sam Hauser and uh, shut down some Sam Hauser hype. But uh, yeah, that does it with the you know uh, the React Pod tonight, and uh, you know this is this is great. We're really going to be getting into the season. Uh, the next episode that you hear on this show will be the first episode of season two of the Raptors show on Sports FM ninety The Fan with myself and Alex Wong. October seventeenth, the show comes back. Uh, radio. TV, YouTube, you know, podcast. It's going to be everywhere, and we got a lot of great guests lined up. I, I don't want to say who it is specifically because, um, you know, look, you just never know. Things might happen. Things come up. You know, just count your chickens, all that stuff. But um, great, great guests lined up, both in terms of the, uh, the kind of access content that we've now been able to give you in terms of talking to people in the organization to talking to the best analysts in the game, talking to the best insiders, the banter, the the slander, the 
I don't know, food talk, Toronto talk, goat talk, like you grow talk, like you're just going to have, you know, the show is, is fully back. And, um, you know, I had a nice vacation. Uh, it was really, really nice. Uh, shots to the entire country of Italy, but specifically Southern Italy had a great time and, um, you know, feel refreshed, feel more cultured. And most importantly, I feel very excited to see the Raptors play once more. So, um, the season is near and yeah, big shout out to Alex as well, holding it down. I mean, this man hit, hit made four podcasts in one week. Um, that's tremendous because, uh, there were times last season where he would only come on the show like once per week. In fact, I'm trying to pull out a new nickname for him. I would love some feedback on this. Um, so the way Alex broke down the show for next week, uh, we, the two of us will be on air on Monday to co- to collectively. Then Tuesday we'll have sort of more nerdy ball talk with guys who are like, you know, Moda Keel, former Spurs video, uh, coordinator who is just a very, very nice follow on Twitter. Uh, then of course, David Thorpe, who everyone on this program in the Raptor space understands who David Thorpe is. Uh, Wednesday, we got Savannah, we got Matt Devlin, you know, the congrats to Savannah, by the way, just, a, just a huge opportunity and a huge get, um, for Sportsnet to, to, to be able to, to, to work even closer with Savannah, uh as part of the game broadcast obviously matt devlin no one needs no introduction then thursday we got blake uh obviously for you know again more nerdy ball talk uh and then friday you know we have some other guests lined up so literally like alex is scheduled for one show next week which is kind of like what he's also gonna do and so i really want feedback on this nickname you know there's 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 one show hernan gomez but you also understand the raptors have one show hernan gomez and that's alex wong so let me know if you like the one show Hernan Gomez nickname because uh, he really does one show per week. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. And thanks everyone who, who listened throughout the offseason, who listened throughout the preseason. Um, and yeah, shouts to the producers, Derek, JR, J-Roll. You know, they're going to be back. And uh, yeah, I'm going to end this podcast. So Ra- Raptors beat the Celtics, finish the preseason three and two. Hopefully they get guys healthier and stop suffering injuries, even because, you know, this is just very silly how much the Raptors get banged up sometimes. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of excitement for this year. And uh, we just want to see it uh, take place uh, as early as October 19th, the home opener against Cleveland. So uh, that does it for the back pod. The next one will be there. And in the meantime, tune in to the Raptors show uh, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern, starting from October 17th. Thank you.